You're listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. so good to be here. It is so good to be with people um, and just be at resurgence. And my heart is full tonight. I feel like um, it's a stadium in front of me. I just, I feel that momentum of God put this vision on us in 2008 to be a movement. And I just believe that there's a movement that's happening. And I just, in my heart tonight, I feel like this is just the beginning of God's going to take us to churches and places, and we're just going to start to see such a hunger for him in this season. I am just in prayer. I was like, something is going on, and yet it doesn't make sense in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of all of this. I I think of the story in Genesis where the ditches were full, or no, actually in Elisha, when the ditches were full, and or the there was ditches, and they said, "Dig ditches and wait for the rain." And I just believe it's a season to dig ditches because God's going to do something incredible. There's a fresh hunger in this place. There's a fresh hunger he wants to do in each one of us. It's not an accident that we're in this place tonight. I just sense there's something in the middle of a pandemic God is doing. Is anybody with me on that? I just, I'm excited tonight. So I have a word that's on my heart I want to share, but just excited for the season. So thankful for Donovan, thankful for the team, Karis and the team. Thanks for leading us. And uh, just really believe that there's something significant happening in this season. Um, This is a season that we have elections everywhere. There are signs everywhere. And I would just want to say, pray and vote. Pray and vote. We need to pray God would move in our nation. God would move in our city. That's our prayer. Would you pray? Take time to pray. Don't listen to everything else. Just pray and say, God, where do I vote? How do I vote? What do I do? Because we need God's answer, God's voice, God's person right now, God's people. So would you do that? And would you go vote on Monday? Go vote for our, um, for our prime ministers and, and, and all those that would be elected. It's so crucial and key that we vote. I just came back from Ottawa this week, and uh, I believe God was going to do something incredible in our nation in this season, and um, I'm just excited. So would you pray and uh, vote? Um, I also want to introduce someone else at Resurgence for the first time. Um, they have been at Resurgence before, um, but I just want to make special mention Uh, Years ago, when uh, Resurgence started in 2008, I remember in that spring of 2008 saying, God, I don't want to start Resurgence. And, And I don't, there's something in my heart to do something, but I felt like, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't want to do it. And the reason I didn't want to do it is because I was a single young adult. And I said, people that do those kind of things are married. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Get me married and I'll start it. And, and I was like, nope, not doing that, not doing that. And God finally got a hold of me and says, you need to do it. Little did I know years later at an advanced retreat that would resurgence would plan, a certain girl would walk into the room, and uh, August 14th, she became my wife. And so I am happily married, and I would like Jess to stand, my beautiful wife. I always wanted to announce my wife, so here it is. And... Um, 
This is Jess. If you don't know her, come say hi to her after. She'd love to get to know you. And so uh, thank you so much for all those that sent cards, greetings, and, and, and all that. That just meant so much to us. And so, um, yeah, that's exciting. Um, but, you know, uh, we have five guideposts at Resurgence that Donovan shared about. And never before, and tonight I want to speak about wholeness. And I want to focus on the one about wholeness because I think never before do we need to be whole. Never before do we need wholeness in our heart to be united to what that we're sons and daughters of a really, really good father. Never before in, in, in my world, in this life, have I seen so much hurt and cracks in hearts that are leading to more hurt and choices that are being made that just, just bring more hurt. And um, I think the pandemic, I think COVID, I think all of it has shaken things so that there's even more pain and there's more hurt. That the cracks got exposed. The cracks are being exposed. And I think it is so key as people of God, uh, as people in general, that we have a healthy heart. That we know who our Father is. That we have wholeness. And um, because when everything is shaken, we have to be whole. If God's going to pour out his spirit, and I believe he is, if there's going to be a resurgence, it's going to come because there's wholeness in hearts. Because um, if, not, if, if not, we'll have a wounded identity. We'll be operating out of woundedness instead of a rested heart that he's called us to operate out of. And um, in, the story, in the Bible, there's these people called the Amalekites. Everybody say Amalekites. Amalekites. Say it again. Amalekites. Amalekites. If you're at home and you can listen to this, I know they're having problems with the internet, but if you're at home and you can hear this, say Amalekites. We just do I didn't hear them. But um, we can only get it from here. the Amalekites in the Bible are these people that are warlike people. And they're people that are, um, you, you know, who were they? They were descendants of Esau. They were actually directly kind of distantly related to the Israelites. But however, they were the first army to attack the Israelites when the Israelites came out of Egypt. You know, remember Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. You know that? So when they got out just after let my people go, this is when the Amalekites came on the scene. They're like, yeah, but we're going to attack you. And they were the first army when they crossed the, 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 the river, when they crossed the parting of the sea. This was the Amalekites' time. And what they would do is everywhere the Israelites would go, the Amalekites tried to stop them. They would, you know, uh, God told Moses uh, to lift your hands, and he lift his hands. Aaron and Hur helped. It was the people that they were fighting at that time were the Amalekites. And God said, when your hands are, are up, you'll, you'll win, and when they're down, they won't. And God said in Deuteronomy, Moses wrote in Deuteronomy, that I will blot out the memory of the Amalekites. I'll blot them out. But the Amalekites were still there for years. They were people that had no fear of God. They thought Israelites, whatever, they're no different than anyone else. That's fine. And they killed all the Israelites that straggled behind. Scripture says that, you know, when there was a, a kid that got kind of lost behind the Israelites as they trekked through the wilderness, there was this, you know, a kid out there. It was the Amalekites that would kill that kid. It was the senior citizen with the walker that was going kind of slow. The Bible says it was the Amalekites that would take them out. They would like go, oh, we got one. 
and they would burn the crops of the Israelites. They would constantly ruin the hard work of the Israelites. They would kill all the sheep and the donkeys of the Israelites. Any chance they got, they would try to ruin the Israelites' plans. And um, for 200 years, they had no regard for the lives of the Israelites, over and over. And um, they hated the Israelites. They didn't fight fair. They didn't honor a code. They weren't, they just, they just had this, like, it was part of their almost identity. Like, we have to take out the Israelites. And that's what they did. The Bible says that they, Amalek means the people that licketh. The people that licketh. Okay, that's pretty, uh, hey, what's your name? Amalek. I'm the people that licketh. That would be kind of weird. It says they were like a swarm of locusts. They were, they were constantly, they were like a leech eager for blood. Anyone have a leech on them? Not a fun experience, you know? Um, they're like a fly looking for sores to feed on. This is how they're described. And I think the Amalekites remind us of sin. It's opposite of God. It's opposite of God's plan. It's the opposite of the things of God. And like the Amalekites, it tries to attack. It tries to take us down. It tries to stop us. It tries to destroy the people of God. It doesn't play nice. It doesn't play fair. It doesn't honor a code. And, and I, I just, I, I want to share this tonight because it's burning on my heart. But God wants, to, God wants you to live the dream, the destiny, the gold. He wants us to live that purpose out. But like the Amalekites, sin is something that wants to stop the dream, stop the purpose. Say there's no hope. Say it's over. Say you'll have anxiety. Say you'll have sickness. All these things. You won't get to the destination. And I think it's so fitting to look. Here the Israelites are trying to go to the promised land, trying to go to the destiny, and yet there's this opposition to the destiny. Sin destroys, sin stops. Sin destroys wholeness. It feeds on insecurities, lies. It empowers the liar when we believe those lies. Sin tries to gain space in our mind and our hearts in every way it can. Galatians 5.19 says, The acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. See, sin can be a learning. Sin can be good for a season. But the reality is sin leads to death. That's what the Bible says. Sin leads to death. Sin leads to regret. Sin leads to shame. Sin leads to this thing. And, and it, it's, it stops the wholeness we were created for. I'm bold on this tonight because I've seen people make bad choices and it lead to hurt and destruction. And so I won't apologize for that because that's the word. The word says it. And you know what? There, there is sin in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of fatigue, in the middle of this. I felt like in worship, God's saying, you, you need to see where the, the, the tree is, where the apple is, and where the things are not to touch in this season. Because sometimes in fatigue, it's hard to see where the line is to see where the boundary is, to see where that space is, where you get too close. And sometimes tiredness, it's really hard to see that. And I believe he wants us to, to see because, why? Because he doesn't want to stop from getting to our destination. 
Does it matter in a pandemic? Does it matter? Do boundaries matter? Does, does it matter when no one sees what I'm doing? Or, or does it matter? Is there really a right or wrong? See, it's the lapse of judgment if there's insecurity sometimes or there's a lie about God. It's really easy for the enemy to come in. It's really easy for sin to attack us. It's really easy. I used to laugh when people say, there's a slippery slope. Don't fall down the slippery slope. There is a slippery slope. It's true. I've seen it. I've seen friends. I've seen people fall down the slippery slope. Don't fall down the slippery slope. Watch, watch, you, watch what is happening in your heart. Watch what, what is going on in your mind when no one is there. What are the things that you're feeding on? Are you feeding on life or death? It's, sin is like the Amalekites trying to take us out. If you have your Bibles, First uh, Samuel 15, we're going to read a little bit about the Man- Malachites. But God gave an opportunity for King Saul to attack the Amalekites. End it. Game over for the Amalekites. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people. So listen now to the message of the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites. Everyone say Amalekites. And totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. So Saul summoned the men, mustered them at Talim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Canaanites, go away, leave the Amalekites so they did not destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to all the Israelites that came out of Egypt. So the Canaanites, they're like, we're out, peace out. They moved out from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havla to Shur to the east of Egypt. He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared, everyone say Agag. Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle and the fat calves and the lambs and everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak they totally destroyed. When Samuel reached Saul, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord the, the Lord's instructions, Saul said. But Samuel said, What is that bleeding of sheep that I hear in my ears? What is that? Mooing, lowing of cattle, moo, that I hear. And Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you've wiped them out. 
Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king. And the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel said, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination or witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Ouch. Then Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. Now I beg you. Forgive my sin. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You've rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of his hem, and it tore. Samuel said, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Saul replied, I have sinned, but, be, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back to me so I may worship the Lord. So Samuel went back with Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring me Agag, the king of the Malachites. Agag came to him. Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so your mother will be childless among women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel left Ramah, but Saul went up to his home in Gibeah of Saul. Until that day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again, though Samuel mourned for him. And the Lord was grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. See, the people of Amalek lived that day. And I'm going to share how we know they lived in a little while because they pop up again. Soon after, David became king. And it was that moment that Saul, this is the moment that Saul lost God's blessing on his life or God's anointing on his life. And Samuel goes to anoint David as king. David runs in the hills. David is running from Saul. Saul is jealous of him. And the Bible says that David found some misfits, some rejected people. And they were, they were all rejects, and he raised up mighty warriors so that they become a mighty army that he said, hey, come with me. Let's, let's, I call you forth in your destiny. Let's be a mighty army. And he called them into existence. He called them forth. But it says one day that they went to go fight, and as they were going to fight, they, the Philistines said, we don't want you to fight with us today. And he got fired. And as he got fired, they went back to their city. And as they were going back to their city at Ziklag, everybody say Ziklag. And they're going to their hometown Ziklag to just like, like to lick their wounds about being fired and maybe collect EI. I don't know. And they go back to Ziklag. And it says that the Bible says that their whole city was burned. It says here in 1 Samuel 30. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. And now the Amalekites, everyone say Amalekites, Amalekites. 
had raided Negev and Ziklag. They attacked Ziklag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. And then we see a line that's a game-changing moment. We see a line that defines David. Uh, I believe a line that can define every one of us. This is a game-changing thing, and, and this is a tension in the moment. Here, he's got the rejects, and they're like, we're going to stone you. Yes, you brought us out of nothing, and yes, we have purpose, but now we lost everything. And in that moment, there's so much pain and hurt. They don't know what to do, and they, they're like, we need to stone David. And in this moment, as they wept, I mean, these weren't sissy men. These weren't little men. These were warriors that could kill people, and yet they're weeping with what was taking, taken from them. We see this line, but David found strength in the Lord his God. One version said, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. There's a big but there. <laughs> There's a big but in that line. But David strengthened himself. But David strengthened himself. There's something powerful about that. Distressed, robbed, fired, lost not just one wife that day, but two wives were taken from him. Uh, you know, everything burned, all of this gone, hopeless, depressed, all of the betrayal that he felt, the loss of a leader, his, his, he felt as a leader, he probably had no gas left in his tank, it was frustrating, it was everything, the, the men that he really trained and raised up as sons are like, we want to kill you, and at that moment, there's a but, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. But David strengthened him. It's the turning point of his, his story. And um, in the middle of this pandemic that just won't end, I feel like God wants to remind us there's a but. Whatever you're feeling right now in this moment of frustration, of hopelessness, of, of this is long and this is not ending, of, of all the stuff that you've been through in this season, there are some in this room that you've taken wounds and there's been arrows that have come, there's been hits that you've taken, there's been setbacks and pushbacks and all these things. God wants to remind you there's a but. There's a but. There's a but. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity. See, I sense the Holy Spirit wanting to remind us. So because Saul never listened to God and killed the Amalekites, they now went and attacked the next generation of leader. They went after David. They attacked David's city. They took David's family. And as a result, they took things. See, the response of mighty men, I just wonder, these mighty men, here they had this purpose, they had destiny on their lives, and now they're all of a sudden quick to blame someone else. Hmm. Blame David. 
Oh, it's because of you we lost our wives. It's because of you we followed you. See, uh, th- there's something that hurt does. When we're hurt, it's really easy to blame a person. <laughs> hurt people hurt people. <laughs> it's, it's really easy in a moment of hurt to blame. It's really easy to want to throw a stone at things when we're frustrated, when we're angry, when we're mad. And I believe in this season, can I suggest what's happening in our world right now? In this pandemic right now, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of frustration, and it's really easy to try to blame or throw stones or put a Facebook post together or or whatever we do. But I believe God's calling us in this season to mature as believers. There's a maturity he's calling us to step into. Um, You know, we, we have to just step into it. See, if we don't deal with the the root issue of our hearts and get whole, then we're just going to blame someone else. It'll just go to someone else. But listen, the Bible talks about maturity. It talks about, in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, yeah, I can only speak to you as infants in Christ because he writes this, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. (laughs) Ouch. And I think as a movement, as resurgence, as people of God, it's time to be able to have steak. (laughs) We weren't made to be believers that be believers that be infant believers our whole life. To drink milk our whole life, to be coddled and held by a pastor, and to be saying, are you okay? Are you okay today? Are you okay? It's time to be victorious, mighty warriors that God's called. There's, a, there's an army. There's a movement mandate on us. It's not just to be, to be, to be you know, shepherds don't coddle sheep. They, they raise meat. <laughs> and sometimes we think of our pastors as a shepherd. Oh, you're going to pet the sheep, and you're just going to help us. No, you're actually going to bring us to uh, producing wool and meat. You're going to bring us to produce fruit. You're going to bring us to a fruit-bearing season, not just a, a cuddly season. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think there's a call uh, for each one of us, can I say, to mature in our faith, to mature in our prayer life, to mature in our, in our Bible reading, to mature in our relationship with God. Because if you're just at where you were a year ago, something's, something's missing. Relationships are, are we really knowing him? Because if it hasn't grown, if your relationship with him hasn't grown, then we're missing something. There's a maturity. And I, I, um, I just sense this. You know, we uh, need to move from needing babysitting to a shift to be parents. See, there's a different mindset of ownership that happens. There's a different mindset. You know, over years at Resurgence, people have said, well, what's, what's the vision of Resurgence? You know, tell me, you know, what's the lead team's vision? We want to serve the lead team. And, and our response sometimes has been, what's God put in your heart? Because if God has brought us to be part of this movement, God's put something amazing in your heart. And here's the thing. We need to also champion what's in your heart. Because there's something as we work together and champion what's in our hearts together, God's going to do something incredible. But here's the other thing. You're going to own it in a way that you, you wouldn't do it if it's someone else's vision. See, God wants to birth something in you, and it's going to be in stereo in each one of us, and it's going to connect. And, and there's something. So does God want to end homelessness in Edmonton? I'm not sure that's the call of resurgence, but let's ask him. 
Maybe work to be part of that. Does God want to, what's the thing he's called us to do? And, and some of you, maybe you've never been to a resurgence before, but can I tell you tonight, would you join us? I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it means, but would you come and you'd pray? Would you serve? Would you get involved? We know that the dream is bigger than us. Maybe God's called you for such a time as this to be a unifier in the body of Christ, to say we might go to different churches, but God's calling us to be a kingdom expression. And we're going to see a move of the Spirit of God that, that transcends denominations, that transcends churches, because we're one church. I, um, I think, you know, in this season, you know, there is... Um, Maturity is not asking God to fix the problem, but address the problem in his name. <laughs> we have authority, and it's time we know our authority. It's time we know our mandate. Not, not just, hey, we, we got we to gotta ask him to fix it. He's, he's given us anointing. See, growth is natural. We are to grow. It is a healthy process that we grow. We, if you stopped growing, there would be a problem. If a child stops growing, there's a problem. I think so many times we need to grow into what God's called us to do, to lead, to be, the purpose he's called us to be. See, the problem we get into is when we try to climb. See, when we try to strive or achieve something, you, you can fall. But when you grow, you can't fall because you're growing into it. But when you try to climb a ladder or you try to be something that you're not called to be, you can fall off it because it isn't your identity. And I, I think there's a call for us to, to be all that he's called us to be. God doesn't need you to be someone else. He needs you to be you and to be fully you, not partial you, but like what God's put in you. Um, you know, I, I think of the story of, um, you know, mature, I, think, I think of the story of John 5, actually. Where that guy's sitting on the porch waiting for someone to move him into the water for 38 years. <laughs> and it says he's on the porch. And he said, I have no one to help me. Blame someone else. And then he says, well, I got to go back to the porch because I can't get into the water. Well, if you can go back to the porch, why can't you get into the water? Like, like it's, it's a weird story. And if, and if you're not getting into the water for 38 years, why are you doing the same thing and not getting any results? Like, why are you there? There's this mindset that's a victim mindset that's, that's not a mature mindset. And Jesus shows up. Like, like it, it doesn't make sense. If you're able to get back to the porch but not get into the water at a time, like, like, find someone to get you into the water. Do something you haven't done before. There's a maturity that he calls us to. See, maturity is, is getting serious about God. It's when you, it isn't getting serious about God. It's about losing control and saying, God, I need you. It, maturity is getting serious from God in everything you do from the beginning. Mm -hmm. See, so many times we can get serious from God when things are going really bad. It's like, oh, I got to get serious with God. I'm hopeless. I'm, I'm frustrated. I lost my job. I need a miracle, right? It's, we see people like that. It's like they don't go to church, they don't do anything, but as soon as like stuff goes on, oh, I need to get to church. I need God right now. But maturity is saying it doesn't matter if times are good or bad, I'm going to know him. I'm going to devote my life to him. I'm in with what he has for me. See, that's what a mature person looks like. And I want to call forth us in this room that we wouldn't be satisfied, you watching online, satisfied with the status quo, but there's a fresh hunger that he wants to do. 
It's easy to get into the conversation right now. It's easy to argue things right now. It's easy to post things. It's easy. Christians are all about the conspiracy theories right now. Why is that? Like, is that the thing God's called you to rant about and talk about? Is it distracting from the mission and call he has on your life? There, there's, 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 we need to stop it. We need to say, that's enough. It doesn't matter if that might have happened or if a UFO came or whatever. Does it really matter in the story of God? Does it matter in the story of humanity coming to Jesus? Is it leading more people to Jesus or is it causing a division that's scattering people from Jesus? There has to be a thing. The need to be right sometimes is in our minds, oh, we need to be right. No, he needs to be right. And I, I might have great opinions on things, but does it really even matter right now? Because, you know, for years, denominations were this big thing where we have, like, the Baptists and we had the Pentecostals, and, and they would not talk. And there was, like, lots for years, denominations. And in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years, to the point Right before COVID, I would say denominations were, nobody knew what denomination of church they were going to. There was independent, and, but no one's like, oh, I just go to that church. What denomination? I have no idea. It's a great church. <laughs> denominations were falling. This division was falling. And then all of a sudden, COVID happened. And now there's a new kind of division. And there's divisions of all sort and all types and, and protests and, and, and we're dividing the kingdom of God on these divisions. And it's not worth it. And, and a maturity is saying, like, listen, we need to pray more. We need to seek God's face more. We need to seek the voice of God more. We need to get into the word more. It's a spiritual thing. There's an attack the enemy doesn't want us united. The enemy wants us to scatter. And so I just, I plead with you, if, if you're thinking of posting, if you're thinking of going, hanging out with friends, and there's a conversation you want to talk with, can, can you check your heart and go, Father, what would you have me say in this situation? Because we're getting on rabbit trails that are actually causing people to leave the kingdom, not come to find him. I don't think Jesus is of that in this season. I really don't. I think he's about pointing to him. We need Jesus right now. We need him in every circumstance. We need a but moment. We need a strength in the Lord in this season. There is a but in spite of our mistakes, in spite of our previous generations that have made mistakes. There's a moment where we can say, but... Megan strengthened herself in the Lord in that season when all was coming against her. But Donovan strengthened himself in the Lord. But Colette strengthened himself in the Lord. Whatever your name is, but, but strengthened himself in the Lord. That was the turning point for his life. That was the shifting. But Daw strengthened himself in the Lord that day. And something shifted. See? That's, that's what we got to get to. And there's a strengthening that comes in the Lord. You know, September 30th is a national day of truth and reconciliation. It's a federal holiday that's coming. And, and um, the day recognizes the colonial legacy of residential schools. It honors the survivors. And, and it's vital to this ongoing reconciliation process. 
And I want to mention that tonight because I'm passionate. Resurgence is passionate about the lives, indigenous lives, First Nation lives in our nation. We're passionate. I have had the privilege of being on uh, six to seven uh, communities, reserves, um, Inuit, First Nation. I just, I am passionate. I have walked in the rubbles of where residential schools were. I have sat and talked, driven in trucks with survivors and people that were in residential schools. I can't comprehend what they went through. I can't comprehend the pain. And many are, are, are not with us anymore. There are graves of those, the children that we've lost. But listen, we don't want to just, as resurgence or as people of God, say something token and go, yeah, we're behind. But listen, I want to tell you that I believe that revival is going to come when, when the first peoples experience God in our nation too. I, I believe that is so key. And as I've gone to the north and I've gone to the Arctic and seen some beautiful people that are still dealing with the pain and still dealing with the things they've been through. This is not a yesterday story. This is a present story. And it's also a call for a future story. Because I believe our nation needs to be united, reconciled, that truth and reconciliation is key. The truth of Jesus, that what the Father can do and reconcile a heart, but also for the past of what has happened, that the tragedies that have happened in our nation. But God's doing something in the future, amen? And there's some beautiful people that, that, are, that are walking through this and a part of this. And I, I just wanted to take a moment tonight. We want to take a moment as a ministry. And I, in a moment, I, I want to do a, a moment of silence. Because we've, we've all watched TV and we've seen the thousands of graves that have, of, of kids that have been found. And we've, we've maybe thought about it for a minute. But I, I want you to think about what the heart of God would say over our First Nations peoples. Inuit, Métis, First Nations. Uh, God, I just believe God has such love and a heart. And I believe he wants to do some incredible things over those that we've lost. Hey, we, we, we mourn with them. But for those that are still coming through it and working through the pain and for the future, how, how we see God move in those communities and how um, just the, the voices arise in our First Nations. I was in Ottawa this week with an Inuit leader, and I just, I love what he's doing, Stephen Carlton, and there's something amazing that God's doing in our First Nations. His heart is how do we reach our nation? How do we reach souls? And so people for Jesus. And so um, we're going to do a moment of silence. And in that moment, I just want you to ask God to just, just to pray that you would pray for the people that are survivors, that are going through, that have lost their children, that have lost um, maybe relatives in, in the schools and all the things, the tragedies that happened, but also to what God, what would you be saying for the future? And in a moment, I'm going to ask Kimmy, who leads in our prayer, to just come and pray and end this segment, and then we'll, then we'll go on. But can we just take a moment of silence? Holy Spirit, thank you for inviting us to reflect on our history as Canadians, to reflect on um, what, what was going on in our communities, what, what neighbors in our nation are feeling, to pray tonight, God, with you, and to, to know and to reflect on how, how our neighbors have felt for generations as Canadians, Lord. Lord, together as a church right now, we just 
ask you to lead us in empathy and listening, that our hearts would be softened, not just to grieve, um, to be horrified by the legacy that are, is in our history, but God, to remember the lives of these 6,000 plus children that have been taken um, by our ancestors as Canadians, God, I just know that you, um, you have justice and you are unveiling truth right now. And I just thank you for leading these people to find these children and bring them home, God. I thank you that um, you are leading truth being unveiled continually, Lord. I thank you that you're leading justice in our relationship as Canadians and Indigenous nations, Lord. Thank you that you are leading us as the church, God, as the Canadian church to not just to prayer, not just to empathy, but God to action. And I just um, thank you for yeah, your leadership in this, God. You are the one that is leading truth being unveiled. You are the one that is leading reconciliation. Thank you that your love will come through and that you are teaching us how to make space to listen and to feel and to be, um, be good neighbors, be loving as you are loving to as the Canadian church with different indigenous nations, whether they know you or not. God, I thank you that you're unveiling your love here. I just um, want to lift up these families to you who are currently survivors, who are feeling the effects of intergenerational trauma. Father God, I thank you that you are not just pursuing um, justice like in the, for the past, but God, you're pursuing justice for families who are currently facing the impacts of this trauma, and you're, you're pursuing justice for the families who are currently facing a system that is pushing them down. So I just thank you, God, that you are, you are leading us in this path, God. You are leading us in truth and in reconciliation, and I just pray that your love would be unveiled. I thank you that you're redeeming the ways that your name was tainted by, by these actions, God. I thank you that you are um, you are unveiling your love in places that have just been so dark. So thank you, God, that we get to join in the prayers of these families, that they've been, they've been reaching out and asking you for justice for so many generations. And I just thank you that we get to join now because we're learning the truth. So yeah, continue to lead us in this, God, and continue to give us listening hearts and empathetic hearts with our neighbors here as Canadians, Lord. I want to uh, just also, Colette's going to come and just share. Colette serves on our global team. And uh, just some ways that uh, we didn't want this just to be a prayer and a, uh, wear an orange shirt. They both have orange shirts on. But I, 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 Colette's going to share some ways we can keep the conversation and, and action going. Yeah, thanks. So um, the story of residential schools in Canada, it's not just a story that belongs to Indigenous people in Canada. It's all of our story, who, uh, those of us who live here. And so, um, you know, the Bible talks about us being ministers of reconciliation. And reconciliation is something that we can actually walk out in our everyday lives. And um, earlier tonight, Donovan talked about Resurgence Every Day. It's a Facebook group. Um, that you can join and for the week of reconciliation which starts um, 
on the September 27th, but we're going to be starting on the 26th, where we're going to be posting um, daily ideas for you to get involved and take action toward reconciliation. Um, it's going to be a space where people can um, share resources, join a conversation. Um, I'm really hopeful for Canada. I'm really hopeful uh, for healing in our nation, and I know that Resurgence um, has a really important and unique role to play. So I invite you to join us as we learn um, together and as we grow together. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks guys. So if you want more info, they're going to be around after. Come see them. Uh, thanks, Kimmy and Colette. Uh, you know, it's one thing to preach a sermon and just keep going through, but I, I wanted to have a point of action that we can respond. And that's, that's a way that we can um, respond and act. And, and that's what maturity looks like. Um, there is pain, there is hurt, but God. But God. But God, strengthen us. God, we need a breakthrough. But God, in those circumstances. You know, I um, tell you a story. I was, uh, we were on our honeymoon, got to go to Hawaii, never been to Hawaii before. It is magical. You need to go there. Um, and when we were in Hawaii, I wanted to go surfing. And so I went in a surf lesson. Uh, there's me um, after the after effects. But um, I went surfing. They gave me the board. Uh, I got lessons. And I'm on the, I'm on the shore because I don't know what I'm doing. And, and, you know, you get you figure out how to get on the board, how to position yourself, how to get your um, arms like chicken wings so that when that wave comes, you know what to do. And I would like to tell you that I was graceful. I was like pro surfer dude. I was crazy, like gnarly, sick waves. Um, let's just say there's a lot of waiting in surfing. There's paddling out. There's the just getting into the water and the wave like hitting you. I swallowed half the ocean. Uh, my eyes were burning. There was burning out out of my nose. I won't get into graphic details, but my nose would not stop running. I'm like doing this the whole time. It was just burning and into salt water. And you get out there, and then all of a sudden you're on your board and you're kind of waiting for the wave. And if it's at the wrong angle, all of a sudden you go over. And <laughs> It was a gong show, but I, I finally kind of got a little bit of the hang of it. And you get there, and you're waiting for the right wave. You're waiting in that moment, and there's that moment that the wave comes, and then you paddle, you paddle, and then you stand up, and you're like, oh, what foot do I stand on? You get up, and you start riding that wave. And it was a magical experience for three seconds of riding that wave. Um, maybe two and a half. I might be embellishing that a little bit. <laughs> and then I hit it. I, w I, I spared you the videos because Jess had videos of it all happening. Um, and, and, but here's what I was out there thinking about. Here's what maybe uh, speakers think about. But I was like, this is like maturity. <laughs> That's what I was actually thinking about afterwards when I was trying to like catch my breath and exhausted after like an hour and a half of this. And I was like, there's something about maturity because you know, it's easy to say like, what part of surfing do we celebrate? We celebrate the surfing part where you're actually up for two and a half seconds. But I think so many times in our life we miss, um, we underestimate all the work to get there. 
See, we see it as the surfing, the two and a half, three seconds that we get up, maybe 10 seconds. But what part of surfing was the paddling out, the carrying that board across a beach for what seemed like forever uh, on top of my head that started to hurt after a while, the getting into the water and the, the coral that, like, that ate me, and you know all the things that happened to get to that moment of that three seconds of surfing. And I think in our lives, God wants to remind us tonight, maturity looks like seeing the whole picture. God's not just in the surfing. God's not just when you're, when you're riding that board. God is in the tough stuff of life. God is in the hard moments of life. God is in the moments of COVID and frustration that maybe you even experienced this week because there was more lockdowns or restrictions or frustrations of life right now. But God is in your hardest moments. Maybe it's in marriage things. Maybe it's in family things. Maybe it's in work things. But I just sense God saying, your story's not over. When I look at David's story, it wasn't just when he was king, but was when he went through the circumstances like this. But God strengthened him. See, that's the private thing. That's the thing that happened that wasn't on the throne. He wasn't on the throne yet. He wasn't there. But it's the game changer moment that changed everything. See, we got to see the whole picture of what God's doing in our lives. Not just the, the moments. You know, when we were out uh, one night on this, uh, we went on a sunset cruise. And so we're on this catamaran. And we're out there and I, with a bunch of people. And, and I was just, uh, one, one time I was just like kind of looking off. And Jess is talking to me. And I'm not hearing a word she's saying. She's like, did you just hear me? I'm like, nope. And she's like, what's happening? I said, I think the Lord's speaking to me. Like it was just out of nowhere. And he goes, well, what's he speaking to you about? And I'm like, that boat over there. She's like, okay, cool. And I'm like, we, we, were, we were cruising on this big sailboat. Like, it probably sat like 50 people. And we're on the upper deck. And we're just kind of cruising. And the sunset's coming down. And there's this other boat across. And that other boat was beating us. And I was focused on that boat. And I felt like the Lord just stopped me and said, why are you looking at that boat? And I'm like, our boat's better than that boat. Our boat has two decks. That boat has one deck. But it's beating us. And I was so, like, worried about it beating us, which it didn't matter. I didn't even know where we were going. It, it didn't really matter. And I felt like God said, that's what happens when you look at shiny objects. See, comparison we, with our lives, we can compare things. And, and I felt him say, it's not about the boat. It's about the ocean you're in. My world is great. My love is great. And when we take our eyes on something else, we miss the ocean that we're both on. And I was, I was like telling the story, and I'm like, Jess, this is what I feel like God's saying. And she goes, um, oh, that's, you know, amazing. And I said, and then all of a sudden we passed the other boat, and I said, and we won. <laughs> she goes, I think you missed the point of what God was trying to show you. I'm like, no, okay, you're right, you're right. It's not about the other boat. It's about the ocean. But here's the thing, we sometimes get so focused on the shiny objects, they appear larger than they, they are. They, they are these things. And maturity is saying, God, I don't need to look at the shiny object, the Instagram, the Facebook. I need to look at what you've called me to be. There has to be this, we have to die to comparison. See, our nation right now could seem hopeless, but, but God. Saul kept the, the Amalekites alive, the Bible says. And their king. And then God told them not to. It was opposite of God's heart for him. 
And soon after, there was a battle, the Bible says, between Saul and um, the Philistines, and it got really bad. King Saul actually got hit with some arrows, and he was injured on a mountain. And the new king, David, has this report firsthand. And here's where the story gets really, really interesting. This is the juicy stuff, okay? Okay, in uh, 1st, 2nd Samuel chapter 1, it says, Shortly after Saul died, David returned to Ziklag from his route to the, route to the Amalekites. Three days later, a man showed up unannounced from Saul's army camp, disheveled. And obviously in mourning, he fell to his knees in respect before David. David asked, what brings you here? He answered, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. So what happened, said David? What's the news, he said? The Israelites have fled the battlefield, leaving a lot of dead comrades behind. And Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. David pressed the young soldier for details. How do you know by sure that Saul and Jonathan are dead? I just happened by the Mount Gilboa and came on Saul. He was badly wounded and leaning on his spear. With enemy chariots and horsemen bearing down hard on him, he looked behind him, saw me, and called me to him. Yes, sir, I said, at your service. He asked me who I was, and I told him, I'm an Amalekite. Come here, he said, and put me out of my misery. I'm nearly dead already, but my life hangs on. So I did what he asked. I killed him. I knew he wouldn't last much longer anyway. I removed his royal headband and bracelet and brought them to my master. Here they are. In lament, David ripped his clothes to ribbons. All the men with him did the same. They wept and they fasted the rest of the day, grieving the death of Saul and his son Jonathan and also the army of God and the nation Israel, victims in a failed battle. Then David spoke to the young soldier who brought the report. Who are you anyway? I'm from an immigrant family, an Amalekite. Do you mean to say, said David, that you weren't afraid to kill God's anointed king? Right then he ordered one of his soldiers, strike him dead, and a soldier struck, struck him dead. And you asked for it, David told him. You sealed your death sentence when you killed God's anointed king. See, here's what happened. The very people that King Saul was supposed to get rid of were the very Amalekites that killed him in the end. See, the places that we left, we leave undone, they come back to haunt us. The seeds that we maybe scatter and we don't mean to, they overgrow. The things that we leave undone come back to undo us. The places that we leave exposed, expose us. That's what sin does. And at the end of his life, King Saul died by the sword of an Amalekite. And, and I share that tonight because there are things in our hearts tonight, whether it's things that we need to repent of or mindsets or the small things, that I believe God says, hey, you need to be whole in this season. You need to be whole. You need to be wholehearted. You need, if there's little areas that where you've cut corners or you, you've done stuff when no one's looking, God's saying, would you come back to me tonight? Would you come back? You know, I, I think of the stories in Scripture where it was but God, but 
that but, you know, in Genesis, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. But in Genesis 31, if God of my father and the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you surely would have sent me away. But God had seen my hardship and toil on my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Or Genesis 31, it says, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not permit him to harm me. Or in, in Genesis 48 then Israel said to Joseph behold I'm about to die but God will be with you and he will bring you to the land of your fathers Joseph said this you intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done for the saving of many lives Deuteronomy we see but the Lord loved you and wanted to keep the promise yes first Samuel 23 we see but God did not give David into the hands of Saul after Saul had searched for for him. In 1 Kings we see, but now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is no adversary or disaster. In 2 Chronicles we see, but God. We, we see it throughout Scripture. Psalm 49, but God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He'll surely take him to him, me to himself. Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 86, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You know, we, go, we could go throughout Scripture. Jonah 2.6, but you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. Matthew 19, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's sight, has made him known. Acts 2.4, but God raised him from the dead. Acts 3.15, you killed the offer of life, but God raised him from the dead. And then we see Romans, but God demonstrates his own life for us. In Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.12, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But God chose the foolish things in the world to shame the wise, 1 Corinthians 2. And I love Ephesians. I could go on and on, but I love Ephesians. And um, Karis, if you could just come and, and play, and um, we're going we're gonna to land here. But I, I love Ephesians 2, 1. And you were dead in trespasses and sins and were by nature of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, rich in mercy, because of great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Whatever is before, whatever our past is, whatever we are going through, whatever we are facing tonight, whatever the things that you brought in here or you're watching online, there's a but God moment for you tonight. There's a but God moment for me tonight. There's a strength that can only come from him. Never before have we needed that but God moment. And I just ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads in this place. This wasn't an easy word tonight or a fluffy one or a, a nice cuddly one. It was a tough word. But I feel it's the heart of what God wants to do in this season. 
because my heart burns for, for those that make choices that, that, are, that are bringing them to death and to pain and to hurt. Because God wants to heal. God wants to bring wholeness. God wants to bring health. And if you're in this place tonight, and as I've been speaking, and, or you're watching online, and, and you just go, Travis, there's some things that, that I'm just I'm thinking of tonight. And there's things I need to get right in my heart. There's things where I've let boundaries slip. I've let, I've let lies come in. I've let stuff slip in this area. There's sin. There's things that I just, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to come. I need that but God moment. I need him to strengthen me tonight. I need him to come and fill me tonight. I need that shift tonight. I, 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 just, I just can't do it. I need him to do it. I need to get right with him. If you're in this place and you say, I, I need to get right with Jesus right now. I just want you to lift your hand across this place. Yeah, all across this place. I just want you to go before him and just to repent. To just speak but to him say God I just I repent for this and start listing the things that you repent for in your mind in your heart just just start as if you thought of it and you're like well I repented for that before but if it came up again in your mind tonight talk to him about it light being shone on, on dark areas in our hearts tonight. Just allow him, just, just repent, repent of those things, repent of those, those actions, those thoughts, those mindsets, the lies. Now, as you repent, I want you to just, between you and the Father, say, God, what is the, what's the lie I believed? Because, you know, the things we do are a result, the fruit that we do, the things, the actions we do, the, 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 the sin that we do is actually a result of a lie, a root. And so I just want you to ask him, what's the root? What's the thing that I need to get rid of? Not just, oh, I don't want to do that again, but what's the cause of it? He wants to completely set you free from that tonight. He wants to heal your heart tonight. Just ask him, what is it? Yes, Lord. He's just healing things right now. If you just sense God's just, God's just breaking stuff off and you just, you felt like he, he gave you like a lie that you're just, you believed and there's just something happening in you tonight and you go, yeah, God's doing something in me. I just want you to stand if that's you. Yeah. 
And as he starts to do stuff, just, yeah, just stand. Just as an act of saying, yeah, I, I'm responding to what he's doing right now. I'm responding. More people are just, it's going to happen even more in this place. I just sense he's healing even more hearts tonight. In a moment, Karis and the team's going to lead us. and um, I just want you to know, just as we worship, as we ask, God's just going to start setting things free. Chains are falling. There is just a real breakthrough. There is a thing, you know, I, I just sense there's just something that's, this is a life-changing moment for many in this place. Stuff that you've battled for so long, the battle ends tonight. Because God's shifting a mindset. He's shifting that, the, the root. You'll know what the root is and say, I can't believe that lie anymore. There's a breakthrough. There's a but God moment that is going to shift. And there's, there's a victim mindset that has moved to a mature mindset, to a child of God mindset. So I'm going to invite the worship team, and in a moment I'll come back, and then we'll, we'll formally close, because I sense there's just a couple more things I want to hit on tonight, and, and we'll, we'll close. But I just, I just we're going to worship in this place. And so um, just start to ask him, say, God, if you're hungry tonight, if, if you didn't respond, but you say, I just need more of God tonight, can I encourage you? There is more of him here tonight. There's more he has for you. If you need a miracle, you need a touch of God, in a moment we're going to pray for you. But I just believe... There's, there's something he's doing in hearts tonight that we're going to leave with a bounce in our step. You know, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of frustration, in the middle of all this stuff, he is still on the throne. There is life in this room. The Spirit of God is here, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. And I sense there's a fresh oil, there's a fresh wind, there's a fresh, there's just something tonight that is tangible in this place. And in a moment, we're just going to pray that we we would experience that lifting, that, that strength that can only come from him. But I just want us to worship. Could we just sing a song tonight as Karis leads us? Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.